When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bid DeVoe. Yours truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. We've got some new school and old school R&B. Daniel Caesar is here along with Tevin Campbell plus... Ludacris stops by. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Oh, my goodness. I've been waiting to talk to him for so long. Daniel Caesar, he's one of the most sought-after songwriters and singers with the triple platinum hit, Get You, and five-time platinum number one single, Best Part, featuring her. Welcome to Cafe Mocha, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to, to be here. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. You know, can we start off with the power of Spotify and streaming services? And as a young, uh, talented artist, how did that help you, give you exposure for your craft? They're like a behemoth, you know what I mean? It's, um, they've, they've been very good to me. The playlist is kind of the way that everyone consumes music now. So if you can, um, if you can do well on a playlist, you're kind of in everybody's phone, you're, you're right. You're right at everybody's fingertips, so it's it's incredible. It's like the direct. I love that. It's a direct line to the whole world. That's yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. You've embraced that, and I think w- when we see the younger artists doing that, now the older artists are now seeing, hey, this is a different way. Because can you talk about your role from Spotify to a major label? Yeah, I mean, yeah. When I was starting out, I was independent for for I just signed like last year. So Spotify, Spotify and, um, you know, streamers really made it possible for me to be independent because I could get directly to the consumer. And then I just reached a point in my career where I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to deal with bigger budgets. I wanted to deal with, with bigger everything, you know. And, and so I, mm-hmm. I had all the meetings and Republic was the, uh, Republic was the obvious choice for me. And I'm, I'm glad. Definitely. I'm glad you made it too, Daniel. Take us back to your early days. What made you decide to get into the music business? Uh, music is the only thing I'm really, really exceptional at. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's an obvious decision for me. Okay, so let's talk about Do You Like Me. Let's talk it is, about it. Do You Like Me. That song is very near and dear song to my, to my heart. I wrote it. I found myself involved in a sort of love triangle. And it was, uh, it was just an honest an honest question that I feel like you something you would never ask someone in real life because that's a crazy thing to ask somebody but it was really how I was uh how I was feeling so it it just came out I like that and then you turn around and and write a song let me go where you are talking about this uh, emotionally draining relationship (laughs) where on the cover of the single you you scratched out the face Talk about Let Me Go, which has the fans going crazy. Yeah, they like that one. Um, Let Me Go, that was, that's like a, I think it hits because it's just so straightforward. You know, there's not really, it's not much deeper than it, than it appears to be. It's just like, 
sometimes you have those moments where you know the best thing for someone is to move on from you because you know you can't give them what they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I've, I've experienced that one too many times. And, and I feel like in part of my growing up and maturing, I've learned to, to let a woman know when she's, when um, I'm not what she needs. You know, you know I'm, 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 I'm an old one, uh, Daniel. <laughs> so, so yeah. back in the day, we used to do mixtapes. Like if a guy liked me, he would put a mixtape together with the songs. And when I when I listen to your music, I it, it brings me back to mixtape days. So <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, this yeah, is a yeah. way that you know express yourself. And that's the beauty about about you know you and being able to do music like that. At what point, Daniel, do you think that you realized that you had this special talent and that you had made it in music? Probably my first, my first time getting paid for like a festival was like, I I I knew that I could do this for a living, like for the rest of my life. And that was making it to me, you know? That was probably like mm-hmm. 20, 2016, something like that. And uh, yeah, it changed my life. Do you get a rush performing? Because I'm a stand-up comic, and I tend to... I love seeing the people's faces. How do you feel performing? Oh, I love it so, so, so much. It's um, it's it's always best when you haven't performed for a long time, and then you go back to do it because you're nervous again, and it's kind of like... It's it's once you get, like, two quarters of the way through that you're, like, <laughs> that you really settle in, and you're comfy, and you're like, oh, I'm the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's 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 good. It's such a good feeling. So you don't get burnt out? You've been well, doing it for so tour, long. Have you found yourself like getting burnt out with performing? Do you find yourself getting burnt out with recreating? With with um never with creating. It's always like I I just go through phases with things. So like usually every tour I've ever done, it's like by the end of it, like the last three shows, like I I always give it my all and everything. But um the last three shows I'm usually like I hate touring. I'm always telling everyone around me, I hate touring. I'll never do it again. And then two weeks after tour is over, I'm like, oh, I miss it so much. It's really hard to go back to regular life after touring because it's, just, it's such a fast life. It's so much fun. It is. Um, it is and then you got to so- you got to go to the grocery store and, and buy, <laughs> buy tomatoes. And you're like, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Now you collaborated with uh, her and other people. Who are, who are some of the uh, dream people you want to collaborate with? Oh, interesting. Maybe like Jay Z. Mm. Oh yes. Damn, I should have prepared for this question. This is no, no, no. I it's usually fine. have a better answer, but no, no, no. Jay Z is the first I, thing that came J- to the top Jay-Z's of my head. Jay Z is a great person to to want to collab with. To be totally honest with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. the GOAT, you know, so that's what we like. Um, how does your family feel about your success? This is your last question. Oh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're happy. I, I hope so. They're, they're, uh, they're proud of me, you know? So, and, and it's, it's really uh, helped our relationship, so I'm, I'm glad. It's helped your relationship. What do you mean? No, it's just, it just helped, you know what I mean? Because it, right. it was just... Um, you know, I was just a very angsty teenager, so I made it work, and now everything we're li- we're living in the happily ever after stage. You I know love what I mean? That. I get to take care of my parents, my brothers. Do you reside still in Canada? No, I live in I live in New York now. Mm. I lived in New York for the last year. He's big time. Yeah. You know what, Daniel Caesar? Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> 
for the music. I can't wait. We got many more years and I, I can't wait to see you at the next festival. And thank you for taking time to stop and talk to us at Cafe Mocha. It means a lot to me and I hope to see you soon. Of course. Thank you guys so much for, for, for having me. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you, Daniel. This is the best of Cafe Mocha with Ludacris. Yo, yo. Luda. What's up, yeah? <laughs> What's up, Luda? It's yo, yo. Angelique, our producer from Cafe Mocha. And Lonnie Love is also one of the hosts. All good. Well, first and foremost, it's an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, I got a lot of my DNA when it comes to the yo-yo side of things. And yeah. everybody else, I love and respect. So, man, it's an, it's an honor. How so, are I, you? I'm going to let you guys have your moment. I mean, what did coming up, you know, as a DJ and an aspiring rapper and actor what did yo-yo mean to you when you heard her music when you know oh i'm just saying oh no that's great it's a great <laughs> question shoot especially from a man who has all daughters and trying to empower them and you know let, let them know about self-confidence and uh i think that when i was young and, and i was looking at yo-yo i just loved how in- extremely confident she was about herself and just you just honestly, honestly you could just tell she stood for something. It's those eyes. You you know, the eyes are the gateway to the soul. So she has those she has those mesmerizing eyes, but a demeanor unlike any other female I'd ever seen. And so watching her and, and what she spoke about and you could tell she meant every single word that came out of her mouth is exactly what we needed in the industry in order to yeah. pave the way for everything that's going on, you know, right now. And and, and then some. So I was just blown away. And before I could even speak and verbalize it to the to the way that I am now I, I understood it when I saw it at that time I so love that dog agreed. I, listen I know my dog <laughs> Luda I love you I've watched you your your entire career and it's such an honor to see how far hip-hop has come we've come into the game where when I started journalists were saying is hip-hop here to stay and you are a great example that hip hop is here to stay. Karma's World is something that you've been working on, I think, for a long time. I remember back in, was it 2012? Uh, you released an album, I think, that featured your daughter with some educational songs. Yeah, you and you then, hit the nail on the head. This was, I think it was, it was even before that. I've been working on this 14 years. But to answer wow. your question, that's how it started out. It was a website and it was an educational website. And that was kind of like phase one of it. So she was six years old when we started doing this because she always used to come in my studio and ask, you know, she would say she wanted to rap and she would mm-hmm. interrupt me doing my music and I would always kick her out. But she was so consistent that one day I had to sit her down and talk to her and say, if you want to do music, you got to talk about what goes on in your life because daddy talks about what goes on in his and I'm a narrator of that. And for her, it was obviously about school and an occasional play. And so we birthed this whole idea of Karma's World. If every me saying that isn't a testament to right. you know never giving up and believing in yourself because it took 14 years as I always call it, to fail better and better each time in order to bring it to fruition to what it is today, then I don't know what better to tell people. I just stuck with it and never gave up. So it means so much because, like you said, me being a young girl in the industry, it matters what men think about us, whether we like it or not, whether women want to say it doesn't matter. It matters. When you have support, your girl's dad, without a doubt, which means a lot to a lot of people. What motivated you to want to encourage your daughter to be a part of what you have going on? How important was that for you? 
Well, that's, that's really a great question because, you know, at six years old, I w- when she made that decision, I wasn't thinking that she was going to stick with that for the rest of her life, but mm-hmm. I had to take her serious at that moment. She has since gone on and kind of like obviously changed her mind about certain things, but look <laughs> at what that conversation and me taking her serious has come to. And now mm-hmm. if she ever wants to fall back, apart from certain things she's doing, she, you know, she always loves the creative aspect of music and, and television and animation. So that is the goal to have something for all of my not only my daughters my entire family if they so choose to come work with this entity that i've created as a brand that continues to expand and they have that option um so there you have it it's just like it it meant everything to take her serious you should take everybody serious you know that you love and that you cherish and somebody from your family even if it means just having that conversation and you let them show you how serious they are after you have that conversation with them Right. The the cartoon is adorable. <laughs> it's <laughs> Thank absolutely you. adorable. What kind of feedback have you gotten? Because I remember when it came on Netflix, I do cartoon voices. And so I see it. And every time I see a little cartoon, I click on I'm like, oh, my God. And then when I saw your name, OK, I'm <laughs> loving this. But what's been the response from kids, from the industry, from parents? Man, from kids, it's been overwhelming because there's a lesson, and obviously in every single episode, and, and it's not, it's not trying to drill it down. You, it's basically music driven, but there's a moral, and it's what actual kids are going through right now, which I feel like we need more now than ever. Real life situations, and a lot of them are based on things that Karma actually went through in her life, which is why I feel like kids are resonated with it so much. But to answer your question about parents, the number one thing I get from parents is, I wish I had this when I was a kid, but uh-huh. I'm glad that I have it now. So, you know, this is one of those things that's, that's bringing parents and kids together and, and some of those hard conversations to have, that's the number one way that I'm able to teach my children is we'll watch a movie together and then they have so many questions based on what happened in the movie and we're able to open that dialogue because obviously my kids are, <laughs> you know, they're not going to get in certain situations immediately when it comes to what's going on in the street. So I have to teach them by watching these situations and then telling yeah. them what to do if they were to get in them. So to answer your question, that's basically what it is. It's, it's, it's showing and proving and, and literally just real life because that's what animation and, and that's literally what uh, art is supposed to be about, imitation of real talking life. About, talking about art imitating life. That's exactly what it is. Art imitating life. We talked about it so much. And how important is it for you, Luda, to think about the things that you've gone through and then to go through it with children? Watching your children and being able to grow into a place where you could see your kids and and still be creative in that space. Do you have to pull back sometimes or do you just take the energy that you're feeling and move forward with it? Yeah, I mean, the the audience and people who are going to support, you know, music and artists and shows like this are going to support it and resonate with it because they feel, you know, an attachment and they can relate to it. So I feel that it's very important to just speak your truth. And that's the same thing we did here with this Karma's World show on Netflix. That's That's what we're doing. We're just speaking the truth of, of a kid, especially a young lady who's going through um, all of these different, you know, uh, problems and issues and just trying to teach them how to come out of them and how to value themselves and how they can make change within their own family and neighborhood 
and continue to do good. And obviously the whole moral of it is what, you know, what you put out to the world comes back to you. And when kids truly start believing in that, I feel like we'll have a better world. That's all I'm trying to do is just be the change that I want to see. It's like plant the seed for those who we know are going to change the world because we're in a lot of turmoil right now, a lot of negativity. So if I can add some positivity to this upcoming generation, then at least there's still hope. Which needs it, right? (laughs) Oh, need is an understatement. Yeah, that's, that's why I go so hard for it. You know, I'm living in my purpose, and, and it's about legacy at this point in my life. So that's that's what's so important to me. And, you know, they're my springboard. They're like my little consultants. I have a seven- and an eight-year-old. They're watching the show. They're telling me, you know, way before the world gets to see it, which ones they like, what they don't like, you know, what they should be wearing. So this is this is this is putting my family together and, and, and showing them, you know, what hard work and everything that they can do and helping and what it takes to succeed and never what's giving it? up. What's it like raising girls? <laughs> I mean, listen, it's not easy, but if, if I go through it as a man now, then I know later on they're going to take care of me, you know? Yeah, Because exactly. you have sons, and they'll love you, but they get older, they'll be like, oh, he'll be all right. <laughs> he'll be all right. Put him over <laughs> but there. But you know your girl's going to take right. care of you. Don't act. You know what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Your daughters are not going to let you uh, down. That's absolutely It's hard, true. though, because I'm a softie, man. You know, all they got to do is... Give me that smile, and it's like I, it's, it's hard to hard to say no to these these beautiful girls. Oh, that's sweet. We're talking to Ludacris, and of course, Karma's World is on Netflix. Uh, I want to switch gears and talk about music. Can you take us for the people who don't know the story, the the newbies who only know you from the Fast and the Furious, who only know you from rap? Can you take us back to being a DJ, you know, a radio personality back in Atlanta cuz I love those. I love the story of I started here and now I'm way over here. <laughs> Way over here. <laughs> Way over here. I'm so over here. I'm off mic. <laughs> Way over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those people that don't know, I started, well, I always did music, but I had to come up with a plan to try to meet the right people and get my music to the right individuals. And the way that I did that was I, I got an internship at a hip-hop radio station in Atlanta, Georgia. It was called 97.5 at the time. But, but I was like, senior in high school and I went up there just asking for a job to do it for free for the morning show because I knew that if I got a, a job for myself at this station this is where all the producers and all of the artists come to on yeah. a daily basis so I'm like I'm gonna get somebody to, to listen to my music but I, obviously I couldn't tell the program director and the bosses up there that my only reason for coming to this station and trying to get a job is so I can get put on in hip-hop so I acted like you know I wanted to be a radio DJ which was fun because mm-hmm. That was kind of the the pre, how can I say, uh, like being a local celebrity way before being a worldwide celebrity was a great kind of starting point to teach me and not go too fast. And so being a radio DJ and the youngest one at the station for that, it kind of it kind of prompted and and helped me to catapult myself into the next level when it was time. But, yeah, that's how I did it. It it worked. (laughs) I I was working at this station for like four or five years, but. One thing led to another. I met Timbaland, you know, I met Jermaine Dupree, I met Organized Noise, and all of a sudden I'm I'm, I'm doing all these different things and, and making money, and I put all this money into my own project, and the rest mm-hmm. is history. What's Your Fantasy was the first song. 
when you came in looking at artists, was it something that you seen that artists wasn't doing that you said, well, there's a loophole here because you, when you came in, you came in at the right time. You came in with the right energy. It wasn't like you were trying to fit in with anybody. And for me, from the outside looking in to learn that your history was radio, I said, wow, it, it was almost like you slid right in. It was almost like sliding to third base. <laughs> Was there anything that you saw from being inside that the outside wasn't doing with music? Newcomers man, that was I, trying to get honestly, in. Man, that, that's such a um, such a good question because when I was, you know, when I was 18 and I was in it, I wasn't looking at it from a judgmental standpoint. I was just looking at every star like there's nothing anyone's doing wrong. They just they just being themselves. But in retrospect, I'm still trying to figure out how to answer that question because <laughs> You know, I think that knowing how some of them would show up extremely late, yeah. um, you know, and not respect the time frame or not show up at all or, you know, certain people that just were treating individuals as if they are higher than human, you know what I mean? And all of those things coming back to them, I, you know, I would notice little things like that. And as I'm, you know, fast forward all these years, if I, as I look back at it, there was probably something within me that said, you know, I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to waste people's time. I'm going to make sure I'm on time. I'm going to treat people, you know, with respect. And, uh, you know, that's that's part of the reason I feel like I've made it to where I made it because, you know, you got to treat the judge the same way you treat the janitor. Treat the janitor the same way you treat the judge. That's the way it's it. Because it it, it seems so effortlessly done to make people move, party, and get the joke and feel loose while saying some good stuff. Yeah, I would have to give that to God because I, okay, I wish I, I didn't choose, you know, I wasn't <laughs> able to choose exactly when when specifically I was able to maneuver and make it happen mm-hmm, in the time mm-hmm. frame that it did because I've been rapping since I was nine years old. If it was oh, up wow. to me, I got I'd have got signed when I was nine. So I got signed <laughs> when I was about, you know, 21, 22. So that I have to give to God in, in terms of, but I can say the transition made it easier yeah. if I knew I put out my, my album independently and, and got signed and got a better deal just based on me selling a certain amount of copies on my own so that the company was already fully behind the movement that I had already started. That that had something to do with it, I'm sure. Yeah. Is there ever a time you want to leave rap out and just go to acting or is it always a marriage? I would say I'd say probably in about another I don't know, man. I don't wanna be quoted on saying this, but you know, I'd say another decade or so and then I may be behind the scenes in music. But yeah. I still got some I still got some competitiveness in me. <laughs> it's, it's extra credit. Extra credit. I got it. There is also a um Karma's World has an album out streaming as well, so they can stream oh, wow. the Karma's World album. So listen, this nice. is a whole brand and franchise music merchandising books with scholastic everything you could think of so just support this new endeavor because we continuing to make it for us and it's doing well okay so where where can we find the streaming any of your favorite streaming platforms spotify you know uh apple music whatever you listen to just type in karma's word it's in it's in there thank you chris i appreciate you guys hopefully i'll see you in person soon we're at cafe mocha radio 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, along with Yo-Yo. When this little boy first hit the scene, he was barely a teenager working with Quincy Jones. You remember the song, Tomorrow, A Better You, A Better Me? His first hit solo song was Round and Round. And of course, there's not a day that goes by that we don't hear Can We Talk. On the line, Tevin Campbell. Welcome to Cafe Mocha. Tevin, you were honored at Black Music Honors. Tell us what that experience was like, because, you know, a lot of times we think of people being honored. They're, you know, in their 60s. They're, you know, and you're still <laughs> a very young man who's a legend. Yeah. Now, yeah, it was great. It was it was a night to remember. I had never been honored before, so it was my first time. And it, it, it was, yeah, it just felt amazing. Uh, and I'm at a point in my life where I am actually embracing you know, everything that I've done. So it was perfect. And uh, I was just glad to have to sing that night because I, I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have done I was so nervous to speak and all of that. But man, what a night. What a night. Yeah, it was I, great. I mean, do you realize the impact that you've had? I mean, I don't <laughs> think there's, seriously, I don't think there's a day that I turn on a radio station and go through R and B stations or stations from the nineties where you don't hear, can we talk? Do you understand how many babies were conceived to that? (laughs) (laughs) Are you just blocking it out? You don't want to think about it? (laughs) No, I actually, that's one of the biggest mistakes I made in my life. I think uh, when I, when I stepped away, I didn't know, I didn't realize the impact and I didn't, really start realizing it until maybe a couple of years ago. So I had blocked all of that out. Uh, but I do now, and it's a beautiful thing. I've learned to accept it and embrace it. And uh, it's actually quite amazing. It's, it's amazing. I'm sorry, Yo-Yo, but I, I have to ask the follow-up question of why did you block it out? I mean, I know that the record industry is brutal. Yo-Yo knows personally. I was right know. alongside of him. So I get it. I just I, I was going to ask that, too. I'm so interested to know because, you know, we don't hear from the artists. So I'm, I'm interested to know. I did a lot of blocking myself, Tevin. Tell me your story. Oh, you, you, you know, you, you know, the business and, you know, when you're kids and, and going through all that, it, it's just different. I, my world was just work, 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 work. That's what it was for me. But, you know, when I left the business, I was actually happy to be away from the business because mm-hmm. it was a chance for me to sort of, <laughs> I had no idea who I was or, it, it, all I knew was work. All I knew was singing in the studio. It's all I knew. So when I stepped away, I was kind of free, but I didn't really know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of hard to explain. Um, 
I, I became sort of a, a young man in the business, but when I left it, I didn't really know how to be a grown man out of the business. I guess it, it, that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. I had yeah. a lot to learn. You get pulled in and it's almost yeah. like you, you really don't know who you are. You're trusting so mm -hmm. many people. You have record executives, you have regional reps, you have managers, exactly. accountants, business managers, you have all these people around you. And as a young kid, it's a young artist is almost like a, a young actor. You know, it, it's that mm -hmm. same type of mentality. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I it, definitely it get it. What, what made you I know you do? What, when did you realize? I mean, you said just a couple of years, you realized that who you were. I mean, what were you doing from then to now? <laughs> well, I, you know, I knew who I was. You know, I just didn't really, I think social media had a lot to do with that. You know, um, I think I woke up one day and I was trending because people were just sharing, sharing their love for Ted and Campbell. I thought that was just amazing, you know. So back in the 90s, we didn't have that. Right. Um, so social media definitely uh, gave me access to that information. And that yeah, helped me sort of, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. Nah, that helped me realize my impact back in the 90s. Because like I said, I was too busy working. And as a kid, you don't really realize it. But yeah, yeah that is kind of a long time to block it out. <laughs> I don't really know the answer to it. I just know that I, I definitely know social media had a lot to do with that. And, you know, just um, I, I think I had to sort of find myself and live in my truth in order to embrace everything that I've done. So... I just started doing that the last couple of years and it's just a beautiful thing, you know. Um, I don't know exactly, other than social media, I think that probably was the most, the primary thing that got me to start doing that, to embrace my impact. Talking about living within your truth, were you surprised about the Can We Talk challenge and how well <laughs> it did? Did you feel the love? Were you and Tank already yeah. cool? I mean, did you discover new any artists, you know, from the challenge? Tell me about that moment. <laughs> no, yeah, me and Tank definitely we cool. Yeah, I met Tank a couple of years ago. We did a show together, and I've you know run running ran into him a couple of times throughout the year. So we cool. I had no idea. I woke up one day and this was going on. Man, it was amazing. <laughs> it was overwhelming. I had never. Uh, wow. I, I can't even put it into words. Uh, I can't wait Kevin, to see. I'm sorry. Can you explain for people who don't know what the challenge is? Can you explain what it is, please? Uh, well, uh, the Can We Talk Challenge. I mean, they everybody was, uh, I, I think Tank started it. Mm -hmm. And he just had all these people singing it. And who can sing it better? I, I, you know, everybody was doing it. Actors and, and singers and Man, oh man, and it went on for months. It didn't go on for days or weeks. It went on for months, and it was just wow, wow. You know, and I think that really, and I always, I always kind of knew like, can we talk? Was is you know my my most popular song, but that challenge sort of just <laughs> it engraved it in my in my heart that 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 can we talk is a beast. So no, that 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 challenge was amazing. That really just, I, feel, I felt that. <laughs> I felt the love on that. That was great. That was great. <laughs> We're talking to Tevin Campbell. 
you mentioned that you were glad that you didn't have to perform at the Black Music Honors. <laughs> are you, I mean, you know, are you ready? Do you feel ready to get back out on that stage and, you know, do your thing? Oh, no, yeah. No, I'm definitely ready. It's it's the TV stuff that gets me that gets me nervous and the cameras and everything. Okay. Oh, no, but I love I, I love being on the stage. And the thing about that is back in the 90s, I didn't really go on tour. I think I did one tour. Really? The man in Bailey's face, yeah. And it was my Christmas break. So it was like three weeks. My mom did not like me on the road. She mm. didn't like me out of school. So it's fun doing it now, you know, and it's fun singing the songs in the same key because a lot of people come in, they're like, hmm, you know, it's been a while. I said, can still <laughs> still hit the notes? You know, and to see the look on their face. But, you know, I just love singing. I've always loved singing. And um, I'm very comfortable on the stage. To catch the full interviews, you can only get them on the podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Cafe Mocha Radio. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is the espresso. The three survivors of the 1921 Tulsa race massacre may never get their day in court. Their lawsuit for reparations was dismissed by a white conservative judge. I think when you ask why today is it not corrected, you still have racism today and you have a dominant culture that does not want to really own up uh, to the heinous crimes that, that occurred. Meanwhile, sportscaster Stephen A. Smith has some words when it comes to affirmative action and college admissions. My argument was against folks in white America that was saying even, you know, presidential candidate Donald Trump talking about now we get back to, you know, a society based on merit, ignoring what brought affirmative action policies into play to begin with. And UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina found an even better way to level the playing field when it comes to admission. The university will offer free tuition and waive fees for first-year students from our state whose families make less than $80,000 a year. That's the espresso. This is Cafe Mocha, Angelique, along with Yo-Yo. Tevin Campbell is on the line. But if you love it so much, I know you already said that you did. How could you give it up for so long? Were you singing in the shower? Were you? Did you? Did you like go to Europe and put on an Afro wig and pretend to be somebody else? If you love it that much, like how do you give that up? What were you doing instead? Well, I didn't love the business that much. Yeah, singing, singing. That's if I couldn't sing, I don't know what I could, what I would do. That's all I know how to do. So the business. Is, is just different. I didn't have any problem being away from Peterson style. <laughs> I really didn't. I uh, I did not. And I, and I ran into a lot of people. Why did you stop making music? And, but you know, what happened was 2001 was the greatest hit. That's when I left Warner Brothers. And um, in 2005, I got a part on Broadway uh, in a show called Hairspray. And I did yeah. that for six years. Yeah. So that was... Yeah, that was, I got to use my voice every day, eight eight shows a week. I was going to say a lot of times a day. Broadway's (laughs) no joke. (laughs) So I was always singing. I was always singing. My voice, I never, always, you know, I mean, that's my baby. My voice is my baby. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that was always something that I did. Uh, But I was very happy to be away from the business. So Broadway came about. That was amazing. And then, uh, you know, and I did sporadic shows here and there, never, never anything consistent like I'm doing now. But I think everything happens for a reason. 
And uh, I think that it was good for me to be away from the business. It really was. It, 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 like I said, when you're a child star, you learn a lot early, but you don't know what to do with it because you don't, <laughs> you don't know what to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. can um, I tell you something? Because, I am smiling from yeah. ear to ear. I don't know <laughs> if you can hear my smile, but I am so happy that I can feel your excitement. And from knowing you, it just feels so good because one of the greatest singers to ever sing, young, talented star, a major baby. And when I say that, I mean, you know, you grew up in a major, from a major label and had to kind of wing it on your own. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about your second album. Angelique, can we go into that? Let's have fun. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about this second album. You, when you were 16, Prince wrote and produced, I think, four songs on your album. That was crazy. Four yeah, songs. Yeah. I'm ready. One of the songs, shh, break it down, um, was really raunchy for a 16-year-old. Um, you Prince. have a lyric. I'd rather do you after school like some homework. <laughs> Yeah, you know Prince. Man. What was you know what was your reaction yeah. to all of this? Were you shy? I was very shy. I was a very shy kid, yeah. I, I was being used as sort of a muse. I was a muse for a lot of all the producers I worked with, right? So Prince, Narda, they knew they had this kid that had this mature voice that could sing these ballads, you know. Let's let's use him to to, to uh because they were all going through marriages and all kinds of stuff at the time. <laughs> so I think I was being used as news, but no, Prince is, uh, Prince was different. Because um, he was, uh, I wasn't shy around Prince. No. Uh, he was kind of, we were sort of, he was like a big brother. So it was sort of like, um, because I first, I met him when I was 12, you know, so I'd already knew him and worked with him. Um, on uh, round and round, and I mm-hmm. did the movie Graffiti Bridge, so I was on the set, so I knew him very well already. Okay. So it wasn't like I wasn't shy around friends, okay. <laughs> not at all. And we would drive around and listen to music, and we would, you know, drive around Bel Air looking at houses. And he, I'm going to buy that next month. Like, okay, you know, that was kind of cool, and he did it. <laughs> wow. He bought it the next month. <laughs> he was so, so cool. cool. Like he was, he, he it was like hanging out with a big brother. Um, as far as the songs, I didn't care. I, if I liked it, I'll sing it. All of that stuff was, um, especially break it down. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I just sing it. I didn't care about that. And I didn't know anything about what I was singing about. (laughs) I didn't know anything about what I was singing about. Trust me, all of those songs, like, and I hate to say this, but you know, always in my heart and tell me what you want me to do. And, those are very mature songs for a 13, 14, 15 year old to be singing. Yeah. But I could make yeah. it believable. And they knew that. Warner Brothers knew that. So it was, yeah. you know, and they're, and they're classic love songs. So they last forever, which is a beautiful thing. I'm very happy about that. I yeah. want to go back further to pre debut album uh, mm. with Quincy Jones and, and that cute song with that cute little boy that was so optimistic and you're like 13 years old a better you a better me it was just such a little I'm like who is this cute little boy how sweet how did I mean but for you to be 13 and for you to be in the studio with Quincy Jones that's like something that 
people that have been working forever don't get to do. So I'm sure you didn't understand the magnitude at the moment, but how did no. that even happen? Well, I was 12 when I met him. Um, man, that's, that's, that's Benny Medina. So Bobby, we have to go to Bobby Humphrey first. Bobby Humphrey owned a club called Sweetwaters in New York City. And her brother and my mom were good friends. And so she heard me sing over the phone. She was like, oh, 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 oh she can sing. So she flew me out to New York. She recorded me um, on the video camera singing, I think it was once, twice, three times by Howard Hewitt. And You Bring Me Joy by Anita Baker in front of all these adults on this stage at a club. I was 11, I think. And uh, she sent that tape to all these record companies and eventually Quincy saw the tape. And that's how I, I hooked up with Quincy. If you missed any part of the show, just go to wherever you listen to podcasts and type in Cafe Mocha Radio. Or better yet, check out everything that we have to offer. We got a show with Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We got all the episodes of Cafe Mocha Radio. All you have to do is go to mochapodcastnetwork.com. Until next time, you can find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit cafemocharadio.com.